0: Well, hey, my name's Jamie, and I'm the pastor of East Cobb Church. It's so good to see every one of you. If we haven't met yet, I'll be hanging out down front afterwards. Come say hi. I'd love to meet you. I uh, got a question to get us going this morning, um, kind of jumping off of that. Have you ever discovered that something was in the category of things you shouldn't do by yourself? You ever discovered that? Or maybe you discovered that something was in that category a little too late? <laughs> like, like, for example, uh, ladders sometimes fall into this category. Every time I'm on, you know using a ladder, or maybe you... You always think like, no, I got this. I can, I can just, I just got this. It's going to be fine. And, and you do got this until the moment that you don't got this. Uh, like, for example, this guy is like, hey, babe, I, I got this. I got just, I'm just going to put a ladder on top of a table, on top of a table. Like, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, see, that's an example. He was fine. The video goes on. He's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> I promise. You're like, no, he's not. Uh, no, he is. Ladders are something that maybe you shouldn't always, you know, you shouldn't do by yourself that often. I think moving is one of those things. You know, moving is something that maybe you shouldn't do by yourself. This guy's like, no, I got it, babe. I'm just going to put the TV in a tarp, and I'll just lower it down. Ah, no. Yeah, see, it hits the bed of his truck and the dresser, and yeah, nightmare. Moving is something you shouldn't do by yourself. If you've ever moved, you know that. You're like, my back won't exist by the time we're done if I don't get some help. Uh, or here's another one. I found this to be the case in my life. Bench press. You ever been in the gym bench pressing? And you're like, I can do this by myself. Oh, wait. Well, this guy, I mean, he's just like a lot of dudes. He's like, I got this. Look how strong I am. I'm filming it. I think I'm so strong. Oh, wait. Yeah. No, no. Don't got it. And uh, just when you think it can't get more humiliating. Um, here we go. Mom! Mom! <laughs> Mom! Mom! That's the lowest of the lowest right there. <laughs> Can't lift your bar and you're calling for your mommy. Uh, <laughs> bench press can be one of those things that, like, <laughs> that you shouldn't do alone, right? Uh, and there are other things in that category, other more serious things like dating or getting married or... Uh, quitting or changing a job, right, or moving cities or making a big purchase like a TV, a car or a house, you know, things like I probably shouldn't just do that alone. In fact, there are entire categories of your life, like relationships or your career or parenting or physical health or things like that, that you just have the sense, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't journey alone, right? This is too important. It's just not its just one of those things that you shouldn't do alone. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is simply that your faith is in that category as well. We're in the middle of a series called Into the Deep, and it is about getting out of the shallows and taking a step towards the deep end of our faith from wherever we happen to be. So whether you are a curious skeptic who's kind of wondering if there's anything real to this Jesus thing or this God thing, or whether you're a hungry novice who's looking to just grow more, like, I want more, 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 I want to grow, 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 or whether you're a restless veteran that's looking for that next level or, like, or perhaps a cure for your stagnation that you perceive to be happening in your life, this series is for you. Because, 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 no matter who we are or where we're coming from, none of us want the shallow end. None of us want to end up with the shallow end in this all too important area of our lives because just too many things and too many people are impacted by it. And that's our goal of these three Sundays. Not that it'll necessarily happen instantaneously, but that as a result of these three Sundays that we're going to be, we've been together, that we will get deeper together in our faith from wherever we are. And as a result, our faith will become not only more relevant to us, but more compelling to those around us. Uh, now, the urgency underneath this series, kind of the like, yeah, but what's, what's the problem? The urgency sort of underlying the whole thing is that most of us, when we think about getting deeper in our faith or in the realm of faith, we generally assume, understandably, well, that's the church's job. That's your job, Jamie. But what we learned week one, perhaps surprisingly, from the writer of Hebrews was the simple fact that we have a role to play. And until we start playing our role, we're going to get in the way. Like God's doing his part. God's, got, God's up to amazing things for you and in your life. But until you and I start playing our part, uh, chances are no amount of sermons and no amount of songs, and no amount of podcasts, and maybe even no amount of Bible study is going to be able to get you where you and where God wants you to get, and that's what this series has been about. It's about three things that we can and need to start doing in our faith, three dials we need to start turning in our faith, three roles that we need to step up and start playing in our faith if we're going to get out of the shallows and into the deep and into the depths that God has for us and that ultimately we really want for us. We've, we've looked at the first two already, the last two Sundays. If you haven't seen them, go catch up. Uh, they all kind of go together and build on one another, and today I want to talk about number three, the third principle for getting out of the shallows and into the deep. And it all has to do, and it all centers around this idea that your faith is in the same category as moving, as ladders, as bench press. It is something you shouldn't do alone. It's in fact something you can't do alone. Not if you want to get deeper. Not if you want to keep growing. Not if you want to explore all there actually is to explore. No, your, your faith is something that you need to invite others into. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today. And now look, I I realize that already, already, I have already made a bunch of you probably uncomfortable in the room. You're like, oh gosh, why did we come today? Um, And that's for a couple of reasons, potentially. I know I made some of you uncomfortable just by nature of your personality. And I I identify with this. Some of us are are more introverted than others. Some of us are more private than others. Some of us are less verbal than others, less collaborative than others, especially in a realm like this and in our faith. Uh, And by the way, don't apologize for that. That's how God made you. But it it is a reason. And and, and it's perhaps one of the reasons that you're like already, "Mm -hmm, I don't know about this. Uh, Others, uh, a second reason for others of us uh, might be your tradition. And perhaps you're, in your church tradition growing up, your, uh, faith was just more or less a private thing. Like you just went to church and it was just me and God. And that was it. Or maybe you grew up in a home where uh, religion, faith wasn't talked about, right? Politics and religion, off the table, awkward. We don't talk about those. Or maybe you just grew up in a, a culture or like a subculture where that was the tradition, you know, that like men don't share. You know, an independent woman doesn't need anybody. Strong people aren't vulnerable. They don't need anything. And... Uh, So, so, and and here comes me uh, on a Sunday out of nowhere talking about your faith happening in the context of community. And I just wanted to recognize that right out of the gate. I understand. Unfortunately, what I'm talking about today, what we're going to talk about today will require some of us to defy our personality a little bit. And I think that's okay. I think we, you know, you would agree that our growth, personal growth and our comfort zones almost never align, unfortunately. Uh, But for others of us, unfortunately, I also want to acknowledge that it might require some of us, what we're talking about today might require some of us to defy our tradition a little bit. And uh, I think that's okay too. Uh, Traditions are wonderful. I'm all about traditions are great and they're fine, but any tradition that's getting in the way of what God wants to do in your life isn't, isn't a good one. And if your church tradition or your religious upbringing had your faith as just a me thing, today, I'd like to suggest to you, perhaps it's getting in the way. And I'm going to invite you to perhaps reconsider that piece of your tradition today. And that's true of you if you are from a different faith. You're of a different faith. You're like, hey, my, my background isn't even in Christianity. That's fine. I'm so glad that you're here. What we're talking about today is absolutely applicable to and important to you as well. Um, it's it's true for you, even if you're not sure what you believe. You're like, I'm still figuring out faith to begin with. This is so important for you. It's even true if you would say, hey, I have no faith. Like Maybe you're like, I'm an atheist. I'm just here with a friend, or I just come once in a while because my family does. Um, Again, so glad that you're here and just want to let you know what we're talking about today is absolutely important for you, absolutely crucial for you. You may not have a religion, but you are still asking metaphysical questions. You are still building a philosophical worldview. You are still leveraging and using the concept of faith to answer questions about things that you can't see, taste, hear, smell, touch, or even prove. So you two are operating in like the realm of faith. I just want you to know faith is in the category of things that you shouldn't do alone. Unless you can't do. Not if you want to get out of the shallows and get into the deep stuff of life and of faith and of God. And to show you why I think that, I want to read you a passage from the Bible that I think makes the case really, really well. I want to read you a passage, an excerpt from uh, what we call the book of Hebrews. It's actually a letter uh, written and recorded in the New Testament and uh, the author is actually uncertain. We're not sure who wrote it. Many people think the Apostle Paul. I tend to think that's who it was, but uh, we don't know for certain. But um, this author is this whole letter is written to a group of Christians in the ancient world, first century. And uh, this this author, presumably the Apostle Paul, is writing to these Christians. Um, and his goal is really simple. Their goal is really simple: is to push these people forward in their faith, to push them deeper in their faith than they ever have gone before. You can just hear it. in The whole letter is just trying to mm, push them forward. And um, the first couple of verses, I think, really set up the context for where we're going. Um, And this is how this particular passage begins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain. It's talking about the temple here. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, dot, 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 a lot of religious jargon here, um, things that they would have understood and many of you maybe understand, but the, the, the word here is sense. That's what I wanted to key on. The reason he's saying sense is because this stuff is what he's been talking about for nine straight chapters. We put in the chapters later, but he's been talking about this for a good while in this letter. He's been talking about who God is, the amazing things that he's done in the world just recently through Jesus Christ, and all the reasons that we have, that he believes we have for putting our faith in Jesus. He's been exploring all of this stuff. It's deep stuff, right? And the sense is there because in this moment, after all of this like high-level theology stuff, finally, he's about to apply it. Finally, he's been to like, all right, enough of that. Let's turn the corner into action and tell you what you need to do as a result of all this. And I want to read to you, and I want us to pay attention this morning for just a few minutes to what he says next. And I want to do it a little differently. Um, instead of putting it up on the screen at first, I just want to read it straight out of my Bible. And I want you just to sit and listen to it because there is a phrase that he says in this passage, in fact, repeats it several times. That is not only the main point of this whole passage, but it is the main point of our time today. So um, again, the context is since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, here we go. See if you can find the word. I'm sure that you can. He says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. What was the phrase? Yeah, let us, let us fact, let me read it one more time, just so I want it to sink in. I want to read it at this time when I get to the phrase, let us, can you just do me a favor and just say it out loud? This is a church, you can talk in church, it's okay. Um, so here we go, I'm going to read it one more time, and when I get there, you're just going to go say it out loud. So here we go, one, two, three. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty consciences and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us... Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful and let us us. consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us us. not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Yeah, it's let us, let us not let you not let me not even let them. Let us, let us, let us, let us. Why? Because faith isn't just a me thing. Faith is a we thing. Faith isn't meant to just happen in rows. It's meant to happen in circles. Faith isn't meant to just be a solo project. It's meant to be be a group effort. Faith isn't meant to be like the sport of golf. It's meant to be a lot more like the sport of football that we're probably gonna watch later today. And if you haven't already in your life, today I'm gonna invite you to make this jump In your faith, I'm going to invite you to make the jump from me to we in your faith. Or to put it another way, as we say a lot around our church, I'm going to invite you today to give your faith some friends. To give your faith some friends. And because I know there's going to be natural resistance in a whole lot of us to this concept, here's how I want to spend my time today, this morning. How I want to spend my time is I simply want to make a case for it and then give you a quick, a simple action step and just leave the ball in your court. I want to spend my time making a case for it. And I say make a case for it because I don't know if you caught it, but there were four things that the writer of Hebrews mentions in this passage that are in the let us category. Four things that he is saying uniquely happen with we in a way that can't happen or at least can't happen to the same degree or the way God wants them to with just me. Four things that happen with, with, with we That can't happen with just me. And I find them really, really compelling. More importantly, I have found them to be really, really true. And perhaps after we dig into it, you will as well. And you will will do something about it today in this season of your life. I hope so. So without further ado, four things that uniquely happen with we that can't just happen in our faith with me. Let's just, let's just keep reading. Let's go back to the beginning. He says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and a full assurance of faith. Number one thing that we can do together in a way that we can't quite do just by ourselves is that we draw near to God together. We get closer to God together. We grow in our relationship with God together. We experience God more together. Certainly not saying that you can't experience God or draw near to him on your own. Of course you can. But we were also meant to experience God and to pursue him together as a a we, whether that be like worshiping together or listening to a sermon together or like discussing together, reading together, praying together, whatever. And here's why. Because we uniquely brings both an intensity and a consistency to our faith, to our experience of God. On one hand, uh, we brings an intensity to your experience and to your relationship with God. Uh, It's like the time, maybe you've experienced this, when somebody else's fire for Jesus, somebody else's fire for God or for spiritual things made yours burn a little bit brighter. That ever happened in your life? Like how, yeah, thank you. Uh, I love talking back. Um, like how sometimes, you know, experiencing God by listening to a worship song privately was, was fine, but the same exact song when you listen to it with a crowd, like with your church family, with with some people around you that you loved, it like went to a whole new level. That's that. Or like when you discussed a faith question or a passage of scripture with a group of people or even with the mentor and you got so much more out of it than you ever would have if you just thought about it or read it on your own. We brought an intensity or a depth to your experience of God that you couldn't have gotten just by yourself. On the other hand, and I think many of you found this to be true, we also has this this way of bringing a consistency to your experience with God. Here's what I mean because let's just be honest. Every single person in this room, you're just like me. You have times when you get busy. You have times when you get distracted and you have times when you just feel straight up cold in your faith and in your relationship with God. And I'm telling you it is, isn't it? Isn't it a major asset? It's a major asset. To have some friends around you who are still warm on the days, and the days that you're cold. Who are still thinking about God and His plan for y'all's lives on the days where you're not thinking about it. Who are still in for following Jesus, for doing what is right on the days where you just want to take a time out, you want a break, you want to haul past. Friends who are going to show up on days when you're checking out in one way or another, they're going to end up bringing you with them. They're going to bring a consistency to your faith. Y'all listen to me. If you want to experience the depths that you're looking for, then you're going to have to be around some people who can stoke the fires of your faith, both in intensity and consistency. That's how it works. It's how God intends it to work. And here's the cool thing. This is something that is happening around East Cobb Church all the time through you. In fact, I asked a whole bunch of people just to give me their opinion, I said, how have you experienced, or how has your faith been impacted by like, the community of church in the last six months? And they it just like, write down a few sentences, send them to me, and I, I picked four of them to share today, because I thought, man, this is it's real. It's like stuff that's like, happened in just the last month. Here's, here's one guy. It says, uh, my wife and I moved to East Cobb Church eight years ago. Though I had accepted Christ, I was lacking in, re- in a relationship with him that many others spoke about. My faith revolution, his words, faith revolution began when we started attending ECC and joined a community group. We started diving into the word together and praying together. And oh, this is my favorite part. Their faith started growing mine. Isn't that cool? I feel God now. I found that relationship I was looking for. I'm so grateful to my group for helping me find it. Wow. God wants that for you, for me. He wants you to have some friends who can stoke the fires of your faith. And, and this is true. Even if you're like not a religious person, even if you're not a Christian, or maybe you say you're an atheist, I think the same applies to you you need to have a community of people who think about the things of faith. And and I would personally love to connect you if you haven't already connected with at least one person who comes from the, the perspective of the Christian faith, because here's what I know will happen. Both of you, both of you, not just you, both of you will explore parts of your soul and parts of your worldview that you never had before simply by being in community with one another because that's just the way it happens. We draw near to God. We draw near to the things of God together in a way that we can't apart just by ourselves. That's number one. He keeps going. And he says this, um, so do that, draw near to God, having uh, our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. This is hard to understand. Um, uh, But the second thing that we do together in a way that we can't quite do by ourselves is that we defeat sin together. I almost called it, we get better together, because that makes a little more sense. If that makes more sense to you, go with that. We get better together. But this verse that I just read to you is, is so <laughs> explicit and so vivid, I felt like I had to do it justice. So this language right here, if you don't understand it, you're not alone, I promise you. Um, this is old school Jewish temple language. And everyone he's writing to, they understood this because this was their culture. But what you would do when you'd go to the temple, and your religion is a Jew, you would wash ceremonially with pure water to cleanse yourself, body, Then you'd offer a sacrifice, an animal, and the sprinkled blood would count as your forgiveness of sins. It would cleanse you from a guilty conscience so you could leave with a clear conscience. It was a provision for sin. And these people that this author is writing to, these Christians, they believed what we still believe to this day. That that washing and that forgiveness had been made available to everybody in the whole wide world through Jesus Christ. That on the cross, Jesus' blood had been shed for us to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And Not only, not only did they believe that, they also believed that uh, not only we could be forgiven, they believed that we could be free. They believed that as well. Like Jesus said, Jesus said, "When you put your faith in Him, that it's like you are born again." The, the Apostle Paul said it like, "Hey, it's like you are a new creation. Who you were isn't who you're gonna be. Where how you started is not how you're gonna finish because Jesus is making you new." They believed, we still believe to this day that in Jesus you can be forgiven and you can be set free. That's what he's talking about. Now here's where the we comes in. I don't know about you, but I have bad days from time to time, bad weeks, bad seasons. And and by bad, candidly, I don't mean just that like bad things happened to me. I mean that like I'm the one causing the bad, you know, either from things that I did or from things that I didn't do. I have days, I have weeks where I just fall short uh, of who I want to be and who God's calling me to be. And you know what I need? really need sometimes sometimes I just need somebody else to come up and say hey you're forgiven cause I forget I don't know if you ever forget but I forget I know I'm a paid professional Christian I forget I start thinking man God's mad at me he's frustrated at me he's like far away from me I'm sure he's he's, he's not gonna bless me you show up at church and you're like downcast I don't know if you ever done that before and sometimes what I really need is someone just to come up and say hey bro you're Forgiven, your sins have been paid for. So when you leave, leave your guilt at the door. He's not mad at you. He loves you. In fact, he paid for your sins. You are forgiven. I need that sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes I need even more. Sometimes even more, I need somebody to come up and remind me that I'm free. You know, like, hey, dude, I know you messed up. Like, I know that that's what you did or didn't do. But that's not who you are. Who you are is a new creation. Who you are is a new creation. So let's go. Get up. And this time, go say yes where you said no. Go say no where you're supposed to say, I mean, where you you said yes. Go do the right thing where you did the wrong thing. Go make the hard decision where you just took the easy route. Go do that. Let's go. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's live free because we are. And man, I know sometimes I need somebody to remind me of that because I forget you're forgiven. You're free. And that happens with we. And that, you know, one of the coolest things is that stuff is happening all around our church community. Here's another example. Uh, another woman wrote, she said, let me, let me tell you the most impactful thing about my friends at church. Accountability, she said. Uh, we recently did a study on our thought lives, how we need to take our thoughts captive and stand up to fear and worry. And all this time later, I'm still getting encouraging texts from my girlfriends about it. I know I'm not alone because my community of women are there and help me to choose to believe the truth and to give myself grace on the hard days. To be honest, I don't think I've ever made this much progress before. That's awesome. God wants that for you. God wants that for your faith because days are coming and come on, they're already here when you're going to need to defeat sin. And I hope you have around you some people that are not only ready just to fight alongside you, but they're ready to fight for you. And you need to be reminded that you are forgiven and that you are free. And by the way, if you're not a Christian or not a church person, please don't let all this churchy vocabulary get get in the way of you taking away a really important principle. And that is simply the fact that self improvement is really hard in isolation. Self improvement is really hard in isolation. And I hope that you find, I hope that you have a group of people around you who not only love you the way that you are, but love you too much to let you stay that way. Right? It's the kind of friends we want. It's the kind of friends we need. That's because this is how it works. We, we, we defeat sin. We get better together. It goes on. Keeps going. So also let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. The third thing that we do, that we do uniquely that can't be done in the the same way when it's just me is that we hold on to hope together. That's the third thing we hold on to hope together. It happens uniquely with we because one of the inescapable and painful truths of life is this, that we all know this is true, that things are going to come your way at some point. Circumstances are going to come your way. Seasons are going to come your way that make you swerve in your hope. Like you're going to be going down the road of life, driving, hand on the wheel, full of hope, right? Full of hope in yourself, full of hope for your family, for your career, for your future, for the world, everything that's going on, hope in God. And then something's going to come along your way. It's make you going to swerve, make you want to swerve. Like, you're going to run into a setback in your career or an emergency in your finances or some problems in your marriage or a season of infertility or a rebellious child or a, uh, you know, a devastating setback or failure on your part. And in the moment, you're going to be tempted to just skirt swerve in your hope and go right into the ditch of despair and, and, and discouragement. Run from God like most people do in the ditch and run to all kinds of things that are not good for you. And I hope, I hope, I hope in that moment, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and when that happens, whether it's a tragedy or just a tough season of life, I hope in that moment, You have some people around you who are there ready to remind you that God is faithful. That's what he said in the verse, because God is faithful. I hope you have some people there to remind you, hey, God is not absent. He is closer than ever. He is not shaken. He is holding on to you. And this thing, it may take you down, but it's not going to take you out. Because Jesus gets the last word. Jesus will always get the last word. And to quote him, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have what? I have overcome the world and the days coming when what's broken is going to be fixed. What's hurt is going to be healed. What's lost is going to be found. What's ruined is going to be redeemed. And what's dead is going to come alive in Jesus. So hold on. Hold on. We're going to help you. Hold on. Because he who promised is faithful. God wants that for you. Who's helping you hold on? Not just through the tragedies of life, but just through the tough seasons. That's what we think. And that's a compelling question and a compelling need, whether you are a Christian or not. It's all of us. But that's number three. We hold on to hope together. And then the last one is this. He says, and, and uh, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. If you're kind of seeing like a horse race, like the Kentucky Derby, that is the image that he's using, you know, like, you know, Uh, he's saying, hey, one of the things that we uniquely does is that we are meant to spur one another on towards love and good deeds towards working out our salvation. Like I talked about last week towards being everything that the church. Is supposed to be, and that's number four. Is that together um, we we change the world together. We become the light of the world together. We become uh, good news to the poor and the hurting and the needy and the oppressed and the downtrodden together. We, uh, yeah, we become a people known hopefully for sacrificial love and service of our community, and we change the world together. That's what we can do together in a way that we can't just by ourselves. Not in the same way. Well, and that's for two reasons. Number one, because sometimes. I need your example to find the conviction and the courage needed to make the difference that God's calling me to make. Like I need to see you making a difference and go, oh, that's the conviction and courage that I needed to go do what God's calling me to do. But not only that, the coolest thing is the more that we move together, the more that we love where we live together, the more our impact is multiplied. Like take Be Rich for an example. This is a great example. It's our annual Give, Serve, Love campaign where we raise all this money, give 100% of the way to the city and serve and all that kind of stuff. What can one person do about hunger? Not that much. What could all of us do? Across nine, eight campuses in the region, in the world? A lot. When you give away millions upon millions of dollars and thousands upon thousands of, of hours and literally move the needle every single year, the whole city notices what you do. Why? Because we moved together. And that's what God wants for you. In fact, it's what, 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 what God wants through you. I brought another, uh, just one last example. Somebody said, hey, um, one of my favorite memories from small group was that we adopted a family for Christmas. It was a local family from our county and we bought basic necessities and presents from them and their children. I think I'd accidentally forgotten not only about the need that's out there, but also the opportunity we have to do something about it. Loving where you live is awesome. Hashtag, I love my church. And that's what God wants for you. Again, not just for you, but through you. So that's what he says. And I'll just rest my case here. Probably could go on. But whether it's drawing near to God, or defeating sin, or holding on to hope, or changing the world, we is greater than me. We is greater than me. We is more powerful than me, we, we allows us to go deeper in our faith and in the things of faith and the things that God's calling us to do than we ever will when it's just when it's just me. Um, why? Because there are depths that can only be reached in community. That's just how it works. There are depths that can only be reached through community. Uh, you, you want to fact check me? Go ask anybody who's advanced spiritually in your orbit. Somebody, whether you know, Christian faith or, or whatever. someone you feel like, man, they're down the road. Go ask them how they got there. Guarantee you they won't just talk about a what, they're gonna talk about a who. I think this is why Jesus in his three short years of ministry, he didn't spend all his best time building a crowd. They happened, but he spent his best time building a crew of 12. And they went all in for three years because there's something unique that happens. There's a depth that can only be reached in community. So all that's to say, my invitation to you is simple. It's not complicated You don't need me to explain it that much, but in light of what I just said, I'd like to simply invite you to give your faith some friends, give your faith some friends, whatever your religious label is, whatever your religious background, wherever you place yourself on the spectrum, you know, faith and all that, you got to do this and and you got to redo it in every season of life. Isn't something you just do once. You got to give your faith some friends. So as as honestly as, as you can, right where you are, I'd love for you just to ask yourself this question. Do you have anyone in your life who's doing that? I'm sure you've got a lot of people, right? From acquaintances to colleagues to friends and family. But do you have anyone that's playing this role in your life? And I I hope that many of us are like, yeah, I do. That's great. Good. Keep going. But what I also know and what I also bet is that many of us your answer probably falls somewhere between no and like, eh, eh, maybe. And so if that's you, and man, I've had so many seasons in my life where that was me. So if that's you, I just got two action steps for you I'm just gonna give to you and balls in your court. But here's two things I wanna encourage you to do. Number one, go find them. Go give your face some friends. Go find some friends for your faith. Go somewhere where you think you might find some potential candidates for friends of your faith and go find them and add them into the circle of your life, the rhythm of your life, and the orbit of your life. Go find them. And as a church, we're trying to create places for you to do that. So let me suggest a couple places to go look. Number one, Sunday mornings. Come show up in person here for Sunday services. I hear from time to time people say like, hey, I don't have a lot of friends around church or East Cop Church or that church or whatever. And I'm like, hey, how often do you like come? It's like once a month. It's like, I mean, I would have a hard time too, you know, once a month in a place, um make coming on Sundays or consider making coming on Sundays just a part of your rhythm. Why? So that you can start finding them so that you can start making those introductions and making those little connections that lead to hangs and the friendships and the community. By the way, parents, this is one of the number one reasons you got to get your kids here and get them here regularly. It's one of the number one roles you can play in the faith of your kids is get them here regularly. Why? So they can get fine friends for their faith and give their faith some friends, not just peers, but mentors. It's what we're providing over here, but they got to be here, Right? That's one place to look, but I hope that more that you look here and make these connections and friendships that they lead to a second thing that I think is the best place to find friends for your faith. A lot of Fs, sorry, find friends for your faith. And that is, uh, you should go look in a community group. There are like groups of adults that meet regularly around our community, small groups like 10 to 12 to 14 meet regularly. It's a year commitment. You guys just journey through life together. It literally was created to give your faith some friends. And you need to get in one. You need to get in one. You can. We just started a new round. Spaces are still op- open. We can find slots for you. You can ask about it right out there. You can contact us. We'll get you in. But you need to get in a community group. Some of you maybe want to go even a step beyond that. And you're like, man, I'd like to have a mentor. Like, can I, is there somebody further down the road who would like just be a friend to my faith for a season? The answer is yes. I'd love to connect you with some of those. Reach out to us. We will. But you got to go find them. That's, that's number one. Go find them. But then number two, if I could, I I would encourage you while you're doing that, simultaneously start becoming them. Because I know you got people in your life. I mean, I hope you do. Most of us, you know, you got a crew of people in your life, and perhaps the reason that they're not yet these kind of friends is not because they can't be, it's just because you haven't developed that side of your friendship yet. This happens all the time. Don't feel bad if that's the case, but it happens all the time. right? It's not that they can't, you just haven't developed that side of your friendship. What if you started importing some of these ideas into your existing relationships or even into your existing community group. You know, just faith-changing friends. They don't happen by accident. They have to happen on purpose. They have to be developed. Uh, and, and by the way, just joining a community group doesn't automatically, you know, make you guys those kinds of people for each other. You got to do it on, on, on purpose. So, I mean, these are ideas like, I mean, but you, you can think of the ideas, but they're things like go to sit, at, sit in service together and go to lunch afterwards and just talk about the sermon. Start like dialing your relationship in the direction of like some faith stuff. Maybe you guys never talk about faith and you just start once in a while talking about it. You gotta be weird, like, hey, let's talk about Jesus. You know, like, nah, just, you know the rhythm. You got emotional intelligence. Just kind of like start bending in in that direction. Or maybe it's like, you just start asking some more important questions than like, how was your weekend? Maybe it's like, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing really? And maybe you start being a little more real than you ever have before. Instead of putting up the facade and you start opening that friendship up. To something that God might do. Maybe if you're thinking about your community group, like, hey man, how do we as a group start doing this? You know, maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe you start asking more intentional questions. Maybe you pick a study that's a little more challenging and you actually do it, you know, not just showing up like, yeah, I, I totally read, whatever, you know, but you actually you know, do it and you guys dig into something a little more. I don't know, but there's things that you can do to start like augmenting, enhancing, or, or, or becoming the kind of friends who are investing in one another's faith and not just shooting the breeze and passing each other in your busy lives. Do it. Spend the next year becoming them. This is my homework for you. My homework for you is this. Uh, I challenge you to find one place that you need to start showing up to find them that you aren't currently or as consistently as you want to and find one way that you want to start maybe dialing some of your existing relationships in the direction that we're talking about and see what God does. And I know, I know, I know, I know that maybe a sizable number of you in the room are going, hey dude, I have tried this before and it didn't work. Like I went to church, didn't connect with anybody. I got in a community group, wasn't our fit, whatever. It didn't work. Or some of you are going like, hey, this sounds really great, but it's not gonna work. I don't even need to try it to know it's not gonna work. I'm too busy. We got kids, I'm too tired. I'm too shy, I don't share. Hey, I'm not even a Christian. I don't even know how people are gonna, I go to a group, like, how are they even gonna be responding? You know, like, oh, look who came to group today, Satan? You know, like, no, no, we're not that kind of people. That's not... That won't happen. If it does, I'll get personally involved. Okay, uh, <laughs> but I know some of us are already giving up before the sermon's over. And 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 just wanted you to know, God's one step ahead of you, kind of like He always is. You know, uh, through the writer of Hebrews, he ends with this verse. This is what I want. That's what I'll end with right here. Writer of Hebrews says, "Let us not give up." I know you're thinking about it. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. He knows. God knows what's in our hearts. God knows the resistance. But he's like, hey, some of you, maybe many of you are in the habit of like letting this go. Don't, don't, don't give up on this. But let us encourage one another. And all the more, not less, as the day approaches. He's talking about Jesus coming back. He's like, hey, the closer you get and the more advanced you get, you, this is all the more, not all the less. So don't give up. Don't give up. Stakes are too high. The shallows can be explored alone, but the depths can only be experienced together but it doesn't happen by accident. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta go find them and we, we gotta become them. So I'm praying for you. I'm praying for me and praying for us as we go do that, as we go find some friends for our faith. Let's go do it. Let's get deeper together. Let me pray for you and we'll end our time today. God, thank you um, for one another. That's a really cool gift. I think we take for granted the one another's that you put in our lives. I pray that we would awaken to or maybe just remember the potential that's there, that you intend to be there. There's something that happens with we. It doesn't quite happen with just me. Give us wisdom to know what to do with that and courage to go do it. In Jesus' name, amen.